Hello and welcome to Between the Tees, the knowledge sharing program from Texas Bank and Trust. I'm your host, Aaron May. So now that we're a little over a month into the new year, the strong possibility is that you, like many of us, are receiving some wonderful reminders of the holidays. Ah yes, tis the season for credit card statements. Just as the decorations come down and the bright, shiny new toys from Christmas get nestled into the back of the toy box comes the little white envelopes in the mail with the total balance due for all of those wonderful Christmas memories. For some of us, this was not a surprise. We knew it was coming, and we have a plan to pay for our balances in full within a few months. But, if you're like the average American, these bills may feel like a wet, heavy blanket, drowning out the last spark of joy from those family gatherings. So while credit cards are just one of the many types and forms of credits out there, it is A great place to introduce this topic because it is likely where many of us got our first start into the world of credit. So to join us on this discussion today, I have my co-host again, Carrie Wilson. How are you today, Carrie? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So how was your uh, holiday season? So my holiday season... Fortunately for me, did not include a lot of credit card purchases. That's uh, good. It, I, I really feel like 29 to 30, that's a great age, especially being single, no kids. You don't have a lot to worry about as far as buying things for people. So the most I did was looked at my savings account. I had enough money to buy this steamer mm. that I've really been needing because I hate ironing my clothes. Nice. I grew up doing it, but I hated it. You yeah. know. So now being an adult and realizing I don't look great with my clothes being wrinkled. What's an easier way to get the wrinkles out i went to walmart bought me a little 40 dollar, 50 dollar steamer and that was a merry christmas to me and i bought that walkman that i was telling you about i thought you'd just been going to the gym so that your shirts fit tighter and the wrinkles went away that too that too you know you gotta look you have to look presentable in our clothes but you know fortunately for me i didn't have a lot of credit card purchases so i'm just happy i don't have that white letter in the mail with the balance of something i owe (laughs) so when you think of credit what did, how, if you would have to define it in one phrase, what would, how would you describe? I would describe credit as money being extended to you with the expectation that you are able to pay it back in a timely manner. Okay. That's a very good explanation. I, I actually agree with that very well. That's a very good explanation. <laughs> so we're going to dive a little bit more into this world of credit. We're going to define what it is, how it is built, and how we can use it properly. We'll also go into some of the common myths and some of the risks that are associated with misusing credit. So to join us on this discussion as we walk through this topic is our guest, Zach Gilbert. Zach is a vice president and commercial loan officer with Texas Bank and Trust, and he has a wealth of knowledge regarding lending and credit topics. He often speaks with our high school seniors and our student board of directors program about this very topic. Zach, how are you today? Doing well, guys. Happy to be here. Thank you all for having me. Yeah. Yes, sir. So let's just jump into our topic. Okay. So what exactly is credit? So credit can be looked at a lot of different ways. The, the simplest way, in my opinion, to really kind of explain credit is credit is trust. Yeah. And what I mean okay. by that is I'm giving trust to an individual to pay me back. Okay. You know, and so as a creditor, like Texas Bank and Trust, 
as we extend credit to an individual, that means we're extending trust to them that they are going to pay us back. Good credit means we trust that they, you know, it's easy to trust that this individual is going to pay us back. Mm-hmm. Bad credit, it's really kind of hard for us to trust that this person's going to pay us back. And so okay. there's more factors that go into on the hard side, you know, um, speaking of, you know, if someone has bad credit and they're wanting okay. to do a vehicle purchase, they might have a shorter time period to pay us back because mm-hmm. we don't, we might not trust them for a longer amortization. Okay. Um, they might have a higher interest rate because right. they're not having, because they're harder to trust. We're, we're going to get what we want to in interest a little bit higher because they might not have the capability to pay. A, uh, be, it's harder to trust them. And so we might have to, uh, they're going to be penalized with a higher interest rate than someone with good credit. Okay. So a broad overview of credit, if when you break it down, it's really a financial institution, like you're saying, extending the basic human instinct of trust to someone. You know, you, you take and give as it comes based on their credit report and their history of paying things back. But really, it's just trust in a financial sense, like, can we trust you with money? Right. Let's be honest. There was, a, we all had someone in our childhood. We all had people in our childhood that we knew that if we gave Johnny a dollar to go get a Coke, Johnny was going to bring us a dollar the next day. Right. Right. And then we also had that buddy who, let's just say Carrie, and I'm not saying for you, Carrie, but, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but we had, we had that other friend that we'd extend that dollar and we're never getting that dollar back. You already know. And you're you, not already know. Exactly. you already yeah. know that that dollar is not coming back. Right. People have been doing this for years. We've been doing it for years with individuals in our own lives. We know that we don't need to give our brother-in-law money to go do something when we know we're never going to get that money back. We're not going to see it, right? Right. And so from a standpoint, we all do this. It's just with the banking institutions, with financial creditors, they have kind of a more rigid guideline to to follow in terms of just based off banking regulations and everything else they're going to be able to say okay you know what you've you you haven't made your payments on time in the past you've let some things get repossessed you've let some things go to collection your credit score is lower than what we would like therefore for us to trust you we're going to get a little bit more interest on this and we're going to ask that you pay this in a more shorter timely manner than someone that's had good credit that we know is going to pay on time we can trust them with an extended more uh you know with an extended term laid out over more years that's kind of the difference there i remember wow. being a teenager maybe i was a teenager i i mean you know how sometimes parents ask kids for money yeah. sometimes sometimes I remember it took my dad a few months to pay me back $20 I lent to him. So me having a little bit of knowledge on simple interest from seventh grade math, which I really, (laughs) Mr. Jones was a tough teacher, but he taught us. (laughs) So really great, awesome. Um, I remember telling my dad, well, I'm going to need interest now. So that totals to, you owe me like $60, dude. And How much interest were you charging him? I was just trying to get more money, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you got to tell Pop. Sometimes, hey, the juice is running, man. We got to... <laughs> it, it didn't work. It did not work. However, I, I was thinking pretty early on about if you don't pay me back and you want more money, no, I need what you owe me plus more because I've spent this much time waiting on it. You don't know what I've needed. You know? right. I mean, I'm his kid. So obviously yeah. it's not like grandiose. But um, yeah, I, early on, I remember having that same mindset. Okay, I'm gonna need this is interest. <laughs> right. So there's a lot of different ways that people use credit these days. And know, once we mentioned in the beginning, credit cards is one of the most common ways because it's, you know, how you 
typically first venture into what is a credit score? What is credit? How do you build credit? You know, credit cards are usually where we begin, but there's a lot of different ways that people use credit, isn't there? There is. And, you know, like you said, credit cards are one of the first and one of the easiest ways. And it's also one of the most dangerous ways Yeah, if, if it's not done properly, because credit cards have the highest rates you're ever going to, you're going to see. And mm-hmm. so if you, if you don't know how to use that, that credit card properly, you can, and you're only making minimum payments, you know, the, the, it can really just kind of start to compound and you can uh, really kind of get behind. And if you're not being able watching those balances on a monthly basis. Yeah. Right. Um, but you know, this is one of the, one of the topics when it comes to using credit and starting credit um, that, you know, Carrie, you mentioned that you had a seventh grade teacher mm-hmm. that kind of taught y'all simple interest. And, you, and yes. what was his name? Frank Jones. Frank Jones. Well, mm-hmm. I applaud you, Frank Jones, for teaching that too. <laughs> thank a, you, Mr. Jones. Thank you, Mr. Jones. Yes, yes. For uh, teaching that at such a young age because it it is such a crime today, in my opinion, that so many students and so many young adults are coming out of high school without any knowledge of this, without any knowledge of what an interest right. rate is, without any knowledge of what credit scores are. And yet we, we see the commercials all the time. Yeah. We see the commercials all the time. Right. You're seeing Experian. You got the Travis Kelsey, you know, doing Experian commercials yes. now. You, I mean, there's credit score commercials. I mean, you see them every single day. Yeah. And the reason why you're seeing those credit score commercials every day for the most part is probably because there's a lot of people out there with bad credit and they need help fixing it. Right. right. And, um, that, that's just kind of a, uh, indication of how much, you know, how easy it is to kind of get behind on, you know, when, if you're without the proper knowledge. And so credit cards can be a great tool. They really can. They can be a great tool if used properly. To me, yeah. one of the easiest things to really kind of establish credit is just, uh, having a gas card because you can only use it one place and mm-hmm. it's at a gas station. You can establish credit with a gas card. It's a credit card. You slide it in, slide it out, pay it. All you're doing is getting gas with it on a monthly basis. You're not enticed to, you know, go get that Walkman that you mentioned too. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, but now I know you pay cash for that. And so that, that's all, that's all well and good. Right. But it's one of those things where, you know, that's a great way to start using just kind of merchant services, you know, right. to, that can be a great avenue to kind of start with uh, credit cards are a good way. And then one of the, one of the best things to do is kind of, you know, uh, for myself, the how I established credit was on my very first vehicle. Uh, I co-signed with my father. Mm. Okay, know? and so even though I was the one making those payments, and you know, and there's even though I, there was no way, even though I I had just started a new job, well here at Texas Bank and Trust, we want to see that, you know, you've been at a job for over a year or two years. We want to see that security that you can maintain that. And so with me just starting a new job, I'm 17 years old, I'm starting a new job. You know, I needed my father on there with me to help co-sign that. That way I could at least establish that, uh, you know, to get the loan to start with. And then as I'm making payments, my credit is starting to build from there. So job history is another factor observed to determine absolutely absolutely i I, I personally didn't even know that absolutely it is we want to see if we want to see that you've been able to maintain a job for you know at least 12 months you know most of the time it's two years but we we want to see that and if there and if it's less than that we need an explanation well you know why why did you jump from here to here here to here those are the things we look at and I think it's so important for the younger generation, not even millennials, but I'm talking Gen Z and beyond. 
I've seen a trend on social media within the past few months, past year. Um, they are reluctant to stay at a job longer than a year. And mm -hmm. I saw a specific tweet that said, you're crazy if you think I'm going to stay at a job five, six, seven years. That's too I'm just like, it's not bad to stay at a job. If it's exactly. a good job, it pays well. What's your issue with staying at a job? Because it helps for credit. Yeah. Right. And... No, and we could go. That, that's a that's an entirely different topic okay, about okay, this okay, younger okay, generation. Okay, okay, okay. So we're about to you. take a quick commercial break. But before we do, I just want to uh, say that this information we're discussing in this podcast today is for informational and educational purposes only. So if your financial situation is different than others, please reach out to a licensed individual in your area to speak with your uh, financial needs uh, directly. So we're going to uh, take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to discuss a few of the common types of credit, uh, difference between open-ended and closed-end credit. Then we're going to go into some of the common myths and dangers of using credit inappropriately. So we'll be right back. Hello, I'm Karen Partee with the TBT Financial Minute. If you've been a victim of fraud or suspect that your personal information has been compromised, contact your bank and credit card issuers immediately. File a police report, request a victim statement be placed in your credit reports, and keep a record of the authorities you have contacted. For additional information, call the Federal Trade Commission's ID Theft Consumer Response Center. TBT Financial Minute is brought to you by Texas Bank and Trust. You've been an anchor for our families, a shelter in the storm, a refuge from uncertainty, and the one to keep us warm. You remind us of where we can go and just how far we've come. You've caught our tears and helped us sing our songs. You've welcomed our friends and embraced the ones we love. You've always been the first to say hello when we make it back to that place we call home. Wherever life takes you, the journey home starts here. TBT Mortgage. All right, we're back from commercial break. Thank you guys for sticking with us. Right before the commercial break, there was a conversation, Zach, between you and Carrie about the importance of other factors that play into a credit decision. Um, you were mentioning that how long you've lived in an area, how long you've worked for a company, all of these different things can factor into a decision when making a loan, making a loan. That's right. So with our consumer credit, you know, we really will we'll take a look at, you know, how long you've been at your length of residence, how yeah. long you have been at your current employer, you know, and if those are under, you know, two years to one year, we really kind of want an explanation why, um, because we, you know, these are, these can play into a factor on your ability to repay. One of the things that I didn't hit on earlier when we were talking about credit is there are actually, you know, what a, financial institution or lender will focus on, we call it the five C's of credit. Yeah. And those five C's are uh, capacity, which that's really just kind of your monthly income and kind of current cash to help pay um, on a monthly basis. So what your capacity is to be able to make uh, the repayment of that debt. Uh, two is capital. 
So capital is really kind of the wealth you have on hand, you know, what's, what's in your savings, what, right. you know, what, what you have just in case. So that income that's coming in, if all of a sudden that's brought to a halt and there's no more job, we need to see, we really like to know kind of how much capital you have, how much wealth you have to be able to get you th- to be able to make some of those payments while you don't have income coming in, okay. while you don't have that resource coming in. Right. How, how long are you going to be able to maintain those payments and, um, maintain that repayment before you're able to go out and get another revenue, uh, <laughs> before you're able to get another income source, Okay, you okay. know, um, like another job for instance. And yeah. so that's the, the capital is another big important factor. Three is collateral. You know, it, we're going to want to, you know, uh, have certain assets pledged, you know, just in case there is no form of repayment and you're, you, you know, you end up defaulting, we're going to go out there and we're going to take that asset so that we possibly can be made whole and sell that asset, you know, and which is what you hear about repossessions. Right. That's yeah, what that, right. that comes into foreclosures on houses. That's yeah. what, that's where that comes okay. into effect. And then, um, conditions, you know, can, what are the conditions of the loan? What are you going to be using the money for? And then also external conditions, for instance, you know, I doubt very many people were making loans to restaurants during COVID because right. nobody could go in, right. you know, right. the, you know, so even though point. it's, it, it was very hard to, you know, any kind of service industry like that, if they were needing a loan, it was very, very tough for us because it's, you know, how are y'all are going to be able to even, you know, generate the revenue to service this because you're closed right now. So right. There, there's external conditions as well. And then the fifth is character, you right. know, okay. and character really plays into what we've been talking about. Credit history, credit score, you know, that's kind of all of the historical, how you've on a historical basis, how have you handled all of your credit in the past? That kind of speaks to your character. Okay. You know, yeah. have you been able to make payments? And so, that really kind of goes into, the, you know, speaking about the five C's, um, you, you can kind of include all of that. And then when you're talking about the length of residence, the length of employment, you know, those are um, those factors are in conjunction with everything else that you're you know looking at as well, based on the credit history and credit report. Absolutely. So, so one of the things I wanted to touch on very briefly is what are the different types of credit? I know there's open-ended credit, like credit cards and stuff like that. And then there's closed in credit. So can you describe a little bit of the differences there? Right. So open-ended credit means that there's not like, there's not a term at the end. It's we are, okay. you're not paying it down to you're going to have a final payment on this date in 2029, you know? Okay. So, um, really what, uh, open-ended credit is, can be a personal line of credit. Mm-hmm. It can be a credit card that just renews. Um, and, uh, that happens quite a bit. You'll, you'll see that it can be a home equity line of credit. So if you have a lot of equity built up in your house, um, you know, you may, if you own your house free and clear, or if you have a lot of equity, you can borrow up to 80%, um, loan to value. So whatever the value is of your home, you can, you can take out a loan up to 80% of that value is what that means and do a home and it's called a HELOC, a home equity line of credit. Okay. And so, you know, however, uh, Texas Bank and Trust, we offer a 10-year HELOC on that, you know, and it can renew at the end of that. But that's um, it, that's an open-ended line of credit versus a closed-end, which is what you uh, typically see with like, that's going to be a vehicle loan. That's going to be a home. Per- that's going to be an actual home mortgage, 30-year okay. mortgage, you okay. know, or wh- however, whatever kind of term you want set. Right. But that's, that's going to be your typical uh, term loan um, if you want to go get a new uh, – toy, that's an ATV. If you want to go get an, you know, whatever it may be, those are going to be, those are going to be term loans. Those are going to be a set 
principal and interest payment that's going to be paid down over the life of the loan. And as the more payments you make, the more principal deductions you make, that interest will get lower until it, there's finally a final payment. And so with a set maturity date at the, at, as you open the loan, as the loan starts, there is a set maturity date to where that payment will be, you know, the balance will be zero. So term loans typically have an amortization and how do you say it? Amortization table? Amortization. That yes. that trips me up so bad, that <laughs> word. I don't ever ever since, yeah. But but would that specifically be for term loans as opposed to credit lines? That's a great question. That's a great question because credit lines typically are interest only. There's no amortization. So you're not having you you make principal reductions when you can. So for instance, um, where we see a lot of lines of credit are with businesses. Um, you know, right now the cost of doing business, it has gone up with this economy that we're currently in. You know, there's mm -hmm. been inflation. So there's, there's been, there's less cash on hand. Right. So there's been a lot of businesses requesting lines of credit or asking to maybe extend lines of credit to, um, that way they have the ability to go out and make, make their goods, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Um, that way they have more cash on hand to be able to do that. And as they receive the revenue from those goods being sold, they can then come in and pay that balance down. Okay. So, you know, we don't, we, we want to see it revolve. We want to see people draw up on a line of credit and when they, um, to make their goods, but then when they receive that revenue in, we want to make sure that part of that revenue is going to pay down the line and go kind of back down to zero. Right. We want to see it revolve like that. Okay. And so that's the whole point of a line of credit. But while that, so but one thing I want to state is while that line has a balance, while it's being drawn up on, mm -hmm. they're only making interest interest payments on the amount that's being that, that's being that's been borrowed up to that point. Okay, and so it's whereas a term loan, um, you're making both principal and your principal and interest payments. Okay, okay, that, which is the amortization you've referenced earlier. Yes. Gotcha. So I want to discuss a couple of the common myths that a lot of people have about credit. I know you have a couple that we discussed on the phone, but one that I feel like I hear so often from people is, uh, why I'm just using other people's money. I can use someone else's money to uh, buy whatever it is. And I just have to, you know, pay little bits here and there. Like, but that's more than just using other people's money, right? Cause those other people at some point want that money back. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, a lot of times what you'll see is, you know, you're, you're borrowing that debt to create a better way of life, right? Whether that's, you know, you want a shiny new vehicle, whatever it may be, or it's when sometimes it's to generate wealth. And so say somebody comes into, um, say somebody comes into an inheritance and they want to use that money to go invest in a new property. Okay. okay? So they're going to use that. They're going to go buy a rental property. They're going to pay cash for it. They're going to make some improvements to it. Right. Mm -hmm. So what they're going to, if they want to keep generating wealth, what they will do then they paid cash for it. They've made the improvements with cash. What they will then do, what we will see is they will take out a loan a cash out loan, borrow up to 80%, like I mentioned earlier on that property. Okay. And they'll use those funds from that cash out to go buy another property. Okay. Okay. So, right, right. And so, but because that's a rental property, they're not having to pay the P and I on that. Mm -hmm. The lessee is who's leasing that property from them because it's a rental property. So they're receiving rental income. That is an income producing property now. So, they are receiving that income to help pay that P&I. So that's not even, you know, it's not even really. And now they they are using the 
the to pay that loan that they took out to go buy another property. Mm-hmm. Now they're able to go buy another property, try to turn that and flip that into a rental property, or possibly just flip it and sell it, whatever that you know, whatever their prerogative is. Right. But that's how you generate wealth using borrowed money. Okay. That's really just kind of wow. the, that's really kind of the simplest way to put it is, you know, using that as an example because now you've got multiple assets that you you you're using borrowed money, but you're also receiving rental in, you're not having to pay that. The the tenant is paying for that P&I payment. So the biggest factor out. it sounds like to consider there is make sure that if you are going to borrow money for generating wealth is to make sure that what you're wanting to borrow the money for provides you more than what the cost of the funds are. That's right. Yeah. You want to make sure that there's going to be a return on that. And, you know, for a bank like Texas Bank and Trust, we're going to want to see that you, you know, you've, before we extend that line of credit, that there is a plan in place that you have, you know, um, a good business sense that you possibly you've done this before, you know, you, you have knowledge of, you know, the industry, you know, there's other factors that come into that, but that's, that's one of the best ways in, uh, when we're talking about, you know, borrowing other people's money, you're borrowing other people's money. And we, as a, as a creditor, you know, uh, we're not lending that just here you go. We're getting interest on that because right. really, and for, you know, don't want to assume with anything with this podcast, but for those listening, you know, interest is a percentage of the loan that's paid periodically to the lender right. for the privilege of using their money. Right. We are going to uh, charge interest and receive a percentage of that loan balance okay. for you to be able to go and start your enterprise. Understood. Can we use the rental property example as kind of the baseline for my next question? Sure. Um, Okay, so let's stay with that. So someone is getting a cash 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 out loan, I believe you called it, cash out loan to to buy rental properties, and they're using that to generate wealth for their family for future generations. Is there a limit on that? Like, can you have too much of that to where it negatively affects your credit, to where lenders won't want to lend money to you? Not necessarily. The when I when I would say if the, is there a limit to that is when there's too much exposure, mm-hmm. and that, that we can really kind of get, we can really take another avenue here and kind of really kind of getting into debt versus net worth, you know, okay. and so there's a whole different avenue that we probably need to do. <laughs> I think that be, might be great for our next discussion that we'll have uh, next time where we'll talk about when a good credit score is not enough. So right. we'll, we'll save that part for that discussion because okay. I think that's right. very valuable. And, and I think something else, you know, as far as one, one of the common ways to, you know, where you're using other people's money to try and help um, generate wealth or generate a better way of life is student loans. Yeah. You know, well, and, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, a lot of people, they take, you know, their doctors, it's hard to afford medical school. It's hard to afford law school. It's hard to afford these. And so they'll, they will take out student loans to try and provide for a better lifestyle, a better right. occupation, a better job. Now, the, th- the, uh, one of the biggest factors is that is people really, you know, <laughs> You really have to make sure that, you know, you're not biting off more than you can chew because, you know, there's a lot of times people get into a lot of student loan debt and they, when you get into, when you get into this student loan debt, it it can be an insurmountable amount that, Mm -hmm. you know, based upon how much you're going to be making coming out of school, was it really worth it, you know? And so, because that's student loans aren't always it. And that's, and I'll, and I'll advise, I'll say that in terms of just 
loans in general, you really need to understand, you need to be asking yourself certain questions. Is, is it, is this a luxury item? Is this something I need to do? Is, um, is it something I can afford right now? Should I save up and just pay cash? These are, these are questions you need to be asking because, you know, um, for instance, there's, you know, there's a lot of kids that go to school right now, um, that go to universities and institutions that they're there to have fun. Yeah. And really, if you're if you're doing student loans, you really need to be knocking out as many classes exactly. and, and doing exactly. it as quickly as possible, because yes, it's on exactly. a, those, those student loans add up on a yearly basis. Absolutely. They don't they don't know. It yes. doesn't matter how many classes you can take. Yes. And so uh, one of yes. the best advice that I ever heard was treating college like it's a job, yeah. whether whether or not you are there. I'm getting on a tangent here, but whether or not you have a class at eight o'clock or whether or not you have a classes until five o'clock, you need to be on campus from eight to five and treat it like a job because then you can be studying while you're doing and then taking as many classes as you can. Because if you're able to graduate from a four year university in two and a half years or three yeah. years, guess what? You're going to be a lot better off in terms of student loan debt when you're graduating and starting in the workforce versus that person who had a little too much fun, it right. took five to seven years to graduate. And and, exactly. and that was my father's main thing with me when I was in college. He said, look, you're in college. I know you're going to want to party, but just remember you're, we're taking out student loans. Right. The main thing is for you to go get good grades so you can get a good job. That's right. After school. Cause student loans are no joke. I still have them. And you know, there, there are some, for some, you don't have that luxury. Some you're having to take classes when you can and work, you know, and there are other individuals who, um, you know, if they are fortunate enough to, you know, have, you know, to not have to have a job while they're in school, that, that was really what I was, uh, kind of that thought I mentioned earlier. If you're, if you're fortunate enough to where you're able just to kind of go to college and not have to have a job, you need to treat college like a job. Absolutely. Right. That's what you you need to be on there eight to five. Absolutely. So we're going to take another quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to discuss some of the dangers of mismanaged credit and then focus on what we can do to properly and wisely build an effective credit score. So we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Greg, and this is a 60-second 411. Let's talk about credit. What is it, and how do we manage it? The term credit typically refers to a relationship with a financial institution where you have borrowed money either in the form of a loan or credit card. Borrowing money may allow you to make a large purchase that can be paid back in smaller amounts over time. Each payment includes a portion that goes toward the amount borrowed called principal and a portion that covers the cost of borrowing the money called interest. When payments are made regularly, you will begin to develop a credit history, which is translated into a score by credit bureaus. This score helps other lenders determine your ability to repay loans and use borrowed money wisely. Keep in mind that borrowed money must be paid back in full. Consider using a budget to plan your spending accordingly so you can make your payments on time. We hope you've enjoyed this quick tutorial. If you have any questions or would like to speak with the lending officer, visit www.texasbankandtrust.com. Until next time, this has been your 60-second 411.
right, and we're back. Hey, Carrie, while we're at commercial break, you had a great question for Zach specifically about young borrowers. Yes, yes, Zach, there are common misconceptions amongst the younger generation regarding credit. Uh, what are some common questions you get regularly from young borrowers? So it's a great question. And um, a lot of times, you know, a lot of young borrowers don't even know what they're asking. And so it's really kind of more, I would say there's more naivete, there's more unawareness from a young borrower than it is, really is just kind of, they, they don't even know really kind of what questions to ask. Mm. And that goes back to, you know, like you mentioned earlier, Frank Jones, congrat, great job on teaching kids at a young age, <laughs> because there's, a, there's just so many kids that don't understand what credit is, how to build it, you know, and just really kind of establish that yeah. um, and, and gaining that knowledge. And so... Um, you know, we'll have young borrowers come in, not realizing, like we stated earlier, that, you know, jumping from job to job can have a negative effect on your application, you know, right. we, because we want to see consistency. Sure. We want to see that there is a regular source of income that's going to be there for repayment of that debt. Right. Do you have you an know? example of like, I mean, there's just, there, there's really, there's too many of that, Okay. I mean, to be honest <laughs> with you. Uh, there's, there's too many individuals that will, um, that they will come in and they've either, you know, left a, left a job currently or, you know, and a lot of times what it'll happen is they've, they've left a job and they're needing just a small installment to just kind of make it through to get to the next one. Well, we, you know, that's, that, that's really, we need to see that there's a source of repayment and it's, you know, we'll hear, well, I've got an interview set up. Uh, that's, that's not how this works, you know? Understood. So, yes. <laughs> you know, that's, that's just kind of, um, I, like I said, I, th I think it's more of there's, there's an unawareness and that's really where our role as community bankers come into play mm. because here at Texas Bank and Trust, we're, you know, we are community bankers, but first and foremost, we're advisors. Right. And so if someone's coming in and they're wanting a, uh, they're wanting a loan or they're wanting to go buy out and purchase this. And they really you don't understand, you know, um, what debt to income is. Right. 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 And so, right. you know, they may be at 45% debt to income already and they're wanting to go out and purchase this, you know, purchase a vehicle. We really need to sit them down and say, Hey, you're starting to kind of get over leveraged, you know, you, with what the amount of money you have coming in versus going out anything can, ha you know, if anything happens to where you're not able, you know, that vehicle can break down. Now you're having to go either get repairs or find another vehicle and there, then there's another payment, you know, and it can just so you, snowball. You mentioned debt to income. Explain that a little bit. So debt to income is what, you know, your, uh, your monthly debt, so whatever kind of debt payments you have on a monthly basis versus mm -hmm. the amount of income you have coming in. Okay. So if I have a thousand dollars, if we're just going to keep it easy math here, if I have a thousand dollars income coming in, we want to see no more than four hundred. Basically, I'll just say four hundred dollars in debt on mm -hmm. a monthly basis. Okay. And so we. we our limit is uh, 41% on a DTI. If it's above 41% DTI on for any kind of consumer loan, uh, which for the viewers and listeners, that consumer loan is what we would consider a vehicle purchase, any kind of, um, you know, uh, personal line of credit, personal loan, um, whatever kind of, you know, co consumer debt we will, um, if it's, if your DTI is over 41%, that is a, I mean, really that is for us with our policy. That is reason to de to deny right there. 
Wow. Now there can be other factors that make us, you know, consider it, but that that's a reason for a denial right there. If it's over 41% DTI. Okay. So Zach, do you have any specific examples of uh, situations where people have overexposed themselves and used debt or, or used credit? inappropriately? You know, I think the easiest example that we can give that, you know, that really kind of affected everyone across the country was 2008 Mm -hmm. in the, in the, in the housing crisis. Okay. You know, in 2008, um, or the, the years leading up to 2008, there were so many individuals that were being granted loans, um, be that had, didn't have the income They you know, some of them didn't even have jobs, but these institutions were granting them because, big investment banks were taking these loans off of their books. And right. so um, when that happened, you know, they were, these loans were getting approved on adjustable rates. You know, they weren't fixed rates over long periods of time. So these adjustable rates, when they adjusted, all of a sudden these rates went higher, these higher rates, people couldn't afford their payments anymore. And then that led to foreclosures that led mm. to repossessions that led to right. and everything just kind of getting taken away in the blink of an eye. Well, then that leads to, you know, nationwide property values going down. And right. so, um, you know, that's, I, for me, you know, that's one of the easiest ways to kind of show how someone can, you know, be over leveraged. And that's where, you know, kind of the role of a community banker comes into place. It's right. what, that's our role. Right. We need to have a relationship and we need to be able to have that conversation with our customers to say, Hey, right now, I really don't think, you know, this is, you know, that you have the capacity to be able to, you know, manage all these properties or have all these properties or, you know, go out and buy. And, um, that's where, you know, for us, that's where it really kind of comes into place as, uh, as a community banker right. or as a community lender. And one of the things I've always thought of whenever, um, when I bought my house and stuff like that is just thinking of while a bank looks at certain factors, like your debt to income ratio and your income and all of this stuff, the things that they can't consider is everything else you spend your money on. You know, the bank didn't ask me how many streaming services I had. That's right. The bank didn't ask (laughs) me what my grocery bill is. Right. The bank just asked me, do you have any credit cards? Do you have any loans? Do you have any uh, specific bills? How much money do you have in savings? They didn't ask me, you know, about my lifestyle. How many vacations do you go on a year? Yeah. Do you, you know, they, they, I mean, those are, you know, your, your consumer spending habits, you know, that's hard for us to monitor. Right. But I'll say in the role of a community and the role of a community banker, we are going to have more of a, we're going to know, have our thumb more on that pulse of your spending habits because we're going to know you, yeah, right? Definitely. We're, we're, we're going to kind of know, you know, this individual typically what's coming in, what's coming out on a monthly basis, what kind of, you know, how they're, when they make deposits, how much, what kind of transactions, you know, come out. Right. We're, we're going to know that. So we, we're really going to have kind of, you know, uh, our thumb more on the pulse than, you know, what a uh, big bank would. Yeah. So, Zach, if someone is facing a tough time, like they lost their job, they, maybe they have a medical situation or something of that sort, um, it, insane inflation that changed their ability to pay back a loan, what should they do? One, you, you would, I would hope that they would already have a relationship with their community banker. Okay. Um, I would, you know, because that's, that's going to be the most important thing. You know, um, us having an understanding of this, you know, this is, this is not typical behavior for this customer. Yeah. Right. This is, um, you know, they've been with this, you know, with our institution for five, 10 years, 20 years, and we've never experienced this with them. 
we're going to give a little bit of leeway there because we know that this is not standard for them. Right. Now we are probably going to want to know, Hey, you know, what, what is the action plan right. for, you know, <laughs> right. what, right. when, when can we expect, you know, when are you going to be able to, you know, get this, uh, uh, start payments again. But you know, th- there's going to be a lot more leniency with this individual, with that customer coming from us because we're, we're familiar with them. We've established that relationship and that's really what we are. We're relationship based bankers. And, um, you know, there was a, there's a company that has been with Texas bank and trust for many years that actually suffered from an internal embezzlement. Mm. And for, you know, they, CEO, CFO, they came straight to us. They let us know, hey, this is what happened. You know, um, they really, um, there, there was going to be an issue and it was going to be, we were, they were needing us to work with them. We required kind of concessions from the CEO as well. He had to pledge a lot of personal assets to really kind of make up a lot of that ground, you know, um, from just what happened with that internal embezzlement. Mm. And we spent many years working with this company because we knew that they were making an effort. We knew that they, you know, we believed in them. We believed in their leadership. There, there was just, you know, they were, they were fooled right. by this individual, right. right? you know, and now that company is doing two to three times what they were prior to that embezzlement. And they are doing an amazing job. They're flourishing. Their, their business is booming Yeah, and it's just such a, and Credit to them for the when we talk about the five C's and character, mm-hmm. that was the most important. That was the most important factor when we were looking and helping that institution. Was we knew their character. Absolutely. We knew that they. Right. We knew that they were going to do whatever they needed to to make this right. And so we worked with them. We helped them. And now that company is far and ahead what they were prior to that. Uh, to that embezzlement and, and to that incident. And that's so, fantastic. Um, you know, that's why it's, you know, to have that relationship with a community banker uh, is so vital because, um, you know, that's when we're able to help um, to where, you know, a national bank who's not familiar with you, who doesn't even know your name might turn the other way. So a community bank may not always be able to resolve the issue itself, but we can work with the customer to minimize the effects Correct. That issue. That's a great way to put it. I like that. that right. I mean, you know, we might not be able to solve it, but we're going to do what we can to minimize the loss. Right. You know, so let's just talk really quickly about some of the ways that people can uh, establish credit wisely as opposed to, you know, flying at the, by the seat of their pants and coming in not knowing what they're doing. I've heard a lot of people talk about using like a secured loan, taking out a CD that's about the same value. Does that actually... Does that actually work? It does. It does. And one one of the things that we offer here at Texas Bank and Trust is a credit builder loan. Okay. And that can be for 12 to 24 months, however you want to pay into it. And what you're actually doing is you're paying money into a CD. Hmm. Okay. So you're paying money into a CD and when that, whatever kind of term, whether you set it for 12 or 24 months, when that term is up, we actually then release that CD to you and you get all that money back. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. you know, that's that's a great way to, to be a credit builder. Now, I should say that that option is made for a credit builder. That's for people who are starting out with zero credit. Okay. 
That is not for people who have bad credit. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There, that's that's two different things. Zero credit, no credit does not mean the same thing as bad credit. That's another great myth. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, someone who's never had a credit, someone who's never had a credit before. Yeah. You know, a credit builder loan is a great way because you're just paying, putting in monthly payments. You know, uh, into into a CD. Once the life of that C or once the life of that loan term is up. We release. We can release all. You can keep it in the CD, or we can release all of that cash back to you. Yeah. And and by in in the process, you've now established good credit. Absolutely. So that's that's a great way to start. It's a great way. A, a lot of teenagers will come in, upper teens. You know, they'll come in with their parents to the bank, and the parents will inquire about building credit for them. And that's one product that we did sell a lot of, at least when I was in retail. Yeah. That and, right. and the CD secured loans just, mm-hmm. you know, you can, it's, it's the same concept except, you know, it, it doesn't require zero credit. Right. Yeah. A CD secured loan that, that helps with people with bad credit because basically what that is, you can say you, you can take out a $5,000 loan, but you've got to put $5,000 cash as collateral, right? As that CD, yeah. And so you can use that, and as you're, you know, you can draw draw up on that line, or just take out that, and or if you're just willing to wanting to take out the five thousand up front, and then just make uh, installment payments as as you pay it down, just like right. a term loan. Okay, you can treat it like that, um, or you can do kind of you can treat it as a line of credit because the bank is at that point the bank is one hundred percent secured. We've lent right. out five thousand, but we have five thousand dollars right. in that CD. Exactly. To where if you if you don't make your payments, we're getting our money. Right. You know, and so but that is for someone with bad credit, a CD secured loan is a great way to try and build back okay. that credit. Definitely. Zach, thank you again for being on the show today. This has been very insightful. I'm looking forward to our next discussion where we go a little bit more into what uh, factors go into making a loan decision beyond just the credit score and beyond just uh, the basics of credit. So looking forward to that. No, thank you all very much for having me. This is a passion of mine. So I appreciate being on here and allowing me to you know, give you my two cents. Absolutely. Great discussion. That is all the time that we have for this edition of Between the Tees. We would like to thank Zach Gilbert for being our guest today. Once again, the information that we discuss is for informational and educational purposes only. So please speak with a trained professional in your area about your personal financial situation. Between the Tees is a production of TBT Studios and Texas Bank and Trust, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. All TBT lending products are subject to credit approval. If you live in one of Texas Bank and Trust markets, we'd love to be your bank. But if not, we hope this content is useful for you no matter where you live. So join us next time as we continue this discussion on credit with an evaluation of when a good credit score is not enough. We will dive deep into the factors that affect loan approvals and credit worthiness. But until next time, remember that knowledge is always power when it is shared between the T's. Thanks for joining us.